you know, usually when I come up here, nobody claps. <laughs> so I guess I have to leave for a week, and then I come back, and you realize, oh, we really miss Wilson. But... No, good morning, you guys. How are you doing? Awesome. You know what I love? The Holy Spirit's presence. And you can just feel it. Just as soon as worship started, you can just feel the Holy Spirit enter the room. And you know, the, you know God's omnipresent, but there's a difference between his omnipresence and his manifest presence. And sometimes God's manifest presence comes and enters a room and you begin to just feel him tangibly. Because you know that God wants us to experience him. <laughs> God wants us to laugh with him and to experience his presence. It's not just a head knowledge. An awesome quote by Bill Johnson is, Bible study without Bible experience is pointless. Bible study without Bible experience is pointless. The point of the book is to push us into experience with the writer. Say something with me. Say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Say it again. Holy Spirit. So Lord, we just welcome you even in greater measure this morning. Come Holy Spirit and have your way here. We, we, the church gathers to celebrate its king. And we love you, Jesus. And we just sit at your feet and say, come and teach us more about yourself. Fill us with your presence, Lord. Empower us and ignite us with your hope and your life. We love you so much. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. So as Amanda mentioned, I just spent a week in uh, Switzerland and England with Robbie Dawkins. A picture is going to pop up here behind me to show you who Robbie Dawkins is, if you don't know. But uh, Robbie is a well-sought-after international speaker. He's an author. He's been in um, a couple of documentaries about power evangelism and like miracles on the streets and stuff like that. And over the years, um, my family has developed a relationship with Robbie. My oldest brother, for a long time, uh, attended Robbie's church in Aurora, Chicago, and served there and got to know him that way. As many of you guys know, we've had Robbie speak here many times. Um, he's really had a big part of like just the heart of this church and our heart for power evangelism. He's really spoken into that a lot. And beyond all that, he's honestly just a good friend of mine. Robbie's the kind of guy that is not larger than life. He is down to earth, regular dude. When you're with him, you feel like you're just with a friend that you've known for years. He loves to talk. And honestly, more than anything, just spending time with Robbie ministered to me. I think the biggest thing I got out of the trip was just spending time with Robbie and seeing how real he was and how loving he was and just how much he actually cared about me and, and how, how I was doing. So like, like, I, like I said before, the point of um, this morning, I'm just going to share with you guys, kind of recap the trip, share with you guys a couple stories of cool things that uh, I got to be a part of, or I got to see God do during the time. And as well from that, tell you some of the things that I really felt like God um, taught me during the trip. And don't worry, I heard last week Van preached for about an hour. This won't be that long. <laughs> It'll be a shorter morning for you guys. So. And plus, I have tickets to the Reds game today, so I'm trying to get out of here. <laughs> so, yeah, just Robbie is an awesome dude. Really, he's been seeing some breakthrough in his ministry recently. In March, he raised somebody from the dead the Holy, through the Holy power of the Holy Spirit. Someone died in the beginning of one of his meetings, and the person full-on died, and there was a doctor present, and Robbie and everyone were praying, and the guy came back to life 
totally healed. And so Robbie's going to be here in November and he'll share that story with us. I got to hear it over and over and over, but I could have heard it, you know, 10 more times because come on, man, Jesus raises the dead. That's pretty cool. Um, he's also just been seeing breakthrough. Like he's seeing a lot of people get healed of blindness. People that are deaf receive their hearing again. So I've been getting really amped and kind of like, man, like, here we go. Like what's going to happen? I'm, I'm getting excited for this trip. And not to all say I was let down, but totally what I expected wasn't the main thrust of the trip. What I expected to get out of it wasn't what God was, um, I think what God was really wanting to teach me through the trip. How many of you guys have had expectations for something before and they've been let down? Good. Pretty much the whole room puts their hands up. In the first service, only half the room. And I was like, what? I knew there was something weird about the 930 crowd. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like that doesn't feel good, right? We don't, we as human beings, we have our expectations and we like them to be met. (laughs) We don't like when our expectations are let down. That's not usually like exciting or invigorating or encouraging, right? But what I found is that trusting God through our expectations is really where we have the most growth. I've begun to learn that when our, when our expectations are being let down, that's because we're, we've maybe been missing what God has really been wanting to teach us. Because, you know, God is faithful to teaching us and to working in our life even more than we're faithful to figuring out what he's doing in our life. God is more faithful to you learning and growing and growing intimacy with him than you are to even growing in those areas. So, um, man, like from the first day we were there, I was literally the first 10 minutes I was out walking on the streets of Bern, Switzerland. We we were going there for a conference Robbie was doing on spiritual warfare and deliverance. But the the whole um, week was centered a lot around evangelism and doing outreach out on the streets. So from the first 10 minutes I'm on the street, I'm talking to every person like, hey, Jesus loves you and trying to talk to everybody, trying to pray for everyone. And I actually got shot down four or five times to to start the trip. And I see... Like everyone's just denying me. What is this weird American guy, you know, talking to me about? Get away. <laughs> doesn't help I don't speak, uh, you know, Swiss German or anything. So they couldn't understand me. But um, I see a guy working in a parking lot and he's like working the gate for a private parking lot where cars park. And I think, okay, this is my chance. This guy has nowhere to run. <laughs> I have him cornered. Even if he tells me he doesn't want prayer, I'm gonna, he, can't, he can't escape me. <laughs> so I start walking in the parking lot to, um, you know, share this guy the love of Jesus. And, you know, I kind of start to feel like, man, this is kind of weird. I'm, I'm forcing myself on him a little bit. So I just kind of said, abort. I'm going <laughs> to, I don't want to make this guy feel uncomfortable. So I took, I, I walked, and Monica and Silvana, two of my friends that were with me, one was a brand new friend. One's another friend who's come to Cincinnati a couple of times. It just so happened I was going to be at her vineyard. But they are, they're like relief. Whew, like this is awkward. Wilson is, you know, really pushing people right now. And walk around the corner and this young girl who I find out, to na- find out her name is Beatrice is, starts walking towards us. And there's no particular unction. I'm not feeling like super led to this girl. I don't have a word of knowledge for her. But I've just been cultivating this thing in my life where I try and be nice to everyone. You know, I I really believe that Jesus was a nice person. And if you interacted with Jesus on any level, you probably walked away feeling really loved. So whether that means being really nice to your waitress, even when she's doing a bad job, smiling, just, I just try and smile at everyone. Ask anybody I talk to, I try and ask them their names. Just to begin practical approaches of loving people. 
if I want to pray for someone or I want, you know, God to use me in someone's life, I need to make myself available just to be loving and nice. And as a quick side note, that's really what this servant evangelism outreach is about, is learning how to do evangelism and stepping out, pushing your comfort zone, but in a really safe way. Just can be like giving away bottles of water and telling people that God loves them. But Jesus loves to meet people's practical needs. And when we're just friendly and we're open to people like that, it opens the door for God encounters to rush in. It opens the door for salvations and miracles and healing and, you know, prophetic words that speak life and change people's hearts and minds. But it all starts just with being a nice person, honestly. It starts with being friendly to everyone you come in contact with. And I mean, by no means do I live up to that. <laughs> There's plenty of people that I should have been nicer to or that I cut off in traffic or whatever. But this is what I'm aspiring to. And I would encourage you guys, if, you're, if you've been hearing these stories about evangelism and you want to start pressing into that, first step is be nice to people. Be nice to strangers. Make strangers think, what is wrong with that person? Why are they nice to me? <laughs> you know, we should be different. People should be like, why was he so nice? Because of Jesus. But so I digress. Anyway, I round the corner and I just go up to this girl and say, hey, Jesus loves you so much. Can, we, can I pray for you? You know, God loves you and he's so happy with you. He's in a great mood right now and he just wants to bless you. And, um, you know, half the world thinks God's not in a good mood. <laughs> but, you know, he's always in a really good mood because he's in control. Why would he be in a bad mood? You know, he's, he's happy with people. Jesus died. He paid for all the wrong and messed up stuff so that there's an open door of relationship now. So God is actually in a great mood all the time. But anyways, um, she's, yeah, she's receptive. I, I start praying for, and as I'm praying for, this picture just goes through my head of her dancing. And just the word dancing goes through my mind. So I said, hey, like, through, the tra- through um, my friend Monica, she's translating. I'm like, hey, do you like love to dance or is dancing a thing for you? And she just, right away, I mean, the presence of God has fallen on her. And she's like, yeah, I love to dance. And, you know, what that's called is a word of knowledge. And something I've learned recently, I've been kind of talking to God about this. Like, hey, what is, why do word of knowledge, why do those happen? Like, why do you give us pieces of information about people that we couldn't know? And he said, what, what I felt like God said back to me was, because people want to know that I know them. He said, the whole world is dying to be known, to know that they're known by God. When you know that God knows you, that releases hope into your heart and into your life. People just want to know that God knows them. They don't know that. They think God's mad at them and he's in a bad mood. But he knows them and he loves them. And so this word and all just really opens her heart, opens the door for more ministry to happen. And um, I got another sense that she had younger siblings, just like this fleeting thought went through my mind. I'm just going to tell you, everyone in this room that's born again, you get words and knowledge. You just don't recognize them yet. It's not like some hyper-spiritual thing where I had to muster up the courage and like pray and fast and all of a sudden God started speaking to me. No, the Holy Spirit's living inside of you and he's always speaking to you and always communicating with you. It's just about learning to recognize his voice. There's nothing um, extra spiritual or special. It's just, hey, the Holy Spirit's taken up residence in you. It says in John 14 that he made his home in us. Therefore, he wants to get out and he puts his thoughts in our minds. So I just said, hey, do you have two younger siblings that, um, like, yeah, I feel like you have, do you have two younger siblings? She said, yeah, I have two younger siblings and I'm totally estranged from them. I've never met them, but I think about them all the time and like, I really want to meet them. And so I just said to her, hey, well, I just believe Jesus wants to bring reconciliation to that relationship. He wants you to meet them. And I just even stepped out and said something bold. I said, 
you are going to meet them soon. By the end of this week, you'll come in contact with them. And I had no idea if that's going to happen or not, but it sounded good. (laughs) And why not? Like, why wouldn't God do that? You know, God loves her. He sent me to say these things to her. Why, why not he take another step? Like, it's not hard for God to do that stuff. So, and I don't think God minds us taking risk and, and just like declaring things in faith. And to be honest, unbelievers, it's not going to screw up their theology too much if we say something that doesn't happen because they don't really have much theology to begin with. So anyways, she's just really getting touched by the presence of God. She's crying. And we, we just, from there, we just start sharing the gospel with her telling her everything I've just told you guys. Jesus loves her. He is for her. He's passionately pursuing her. I said, check it out. I just got off of a plane from the United States. There is no reason on earth I should be meeting, I should be meeting you right now, but God loves you so much that he set this little appointment up right now. And she begins to tell us how she'd kind of been wounded by church and she'd been in church for a while, but kind of been hurt. And so I just took that opportunity to say, hey, I'm sorry for how you were hurt in church. Will you forgive me? I'm apologizing on behalf of the church. Will you forgive me for that? Because see what she had done was she had let man mess with her image of God. How sad is that? So many people do that. They let experiences they have with pastors, with parents, with whoever, particularly with people in authority, they let that influence and affect how they look at the father. And the father loves people, man. He is for them. He doesn't want to hurt them. He wants their best to happen for them. And he's committed to that happening. And I just told her, please forgive me on behalf. And this is God even saying he wants you to be reconciled to him right now. Do you want to enter into a relationship with him? Do you want to get born again and just enter into a relationship with the father and Jesus? And of course, I mean, (laughs) after all this, she's has no problem with God anymore. She's full on ready to give her life to Christ. And she does right on the spot. Pray. And then she got filled with the Holy Spirit. She's just getting baptized in the Holy Spirit right on the street. (laughs) You know, that's not reserved to right here. Yeah, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But you know that, that getting filled with the Holy Spirit and getting touched by the Holy Spirit isn't limited to just happening to you in church up front. That's, that's supposed to be done outside of the church so that other people see it and they get affected by it and they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they get empowered to do the things Jesus does. So, I mean, right off the bat, this, that amazing encounter, and remember, I had these expectations of the dead rising and blind eyes opening and all these different things. And so, like, wow, okay, well, I guess it's just like, you know, here it comes. It's just right at the breaking point. I'm, I'm on the streets for five minutes and somebody gets born again that I don't even speak their language. Like, how cool is that? Um, fast forward to the last day of the trip. So after we were in Switzerland, or the last leg of the trip, after we were in Switzerland, we went to England. Who else heard of the TV station TBN? You guys heard of that? It's a, it's like a um, Christian TV station that interviews uh, famous Christian icons and preachers and stuff like that. And so TBN UK has really been pursuing and asking Robbie to stop in and do a teaching on power evangelism. So, oh, I actually got a picture of that up here. So on all day Tuesday, we sat in a studio as Rob, that's, there's Robbie and there's some of the directors and you see these platforms. We had about 10 um, people who had never done power evangelism before sitting on those platforms for the filming. And then we all went out in the streets together, the streets of London to pray for people. This is taking people out who have never done it before. People who have 
never prayed for the sick before, never approached them on the street and asked what they needed prayer, and um, just seeing how God's powers are going to break through. And you know, that's a good situation. <laughs> that's the kind of place that God likes to show up. You know why? Because people were making themselves available. That's what God wants. He wants us to be available to him. Our gift, this is what Robbie always says. He says, our gift to God is availability. That's what we can offer him. We can be obedient to being available. And whether that's a simple thing as praying for your waitress or that's something like maybe more scary, like seeing someone across the room in the supermarket and feeling like you should pray for them. But our gift to God is being available, is doing that, is stepping out in obedience. And then it gives him the opportunity for his power to burst through us. Because that's what God wants, is people who are available. So anyways, Robbie um, records this awesome teaching on power evangelism. We're all getting stirred up and encouraged. We hit, and then we take out film crews onto the streets of London. Who else heard of the London Eye, the big Ferris wheel in London? It's a humongous Ferris wheel. We go down to that area by the river, um, kind of near London Bridge and all that. And we just start approaching people say, hey, like we're filming a documentary. In England, they don't call them documentaries, they call them dockies. <laughs> So I'd be really English and I'd go to the, hey, we're filming a docky about healing and miracles. And like, it would be cool if we prayed for you and then um, you know, see what happens. And if you don't, and then we'd always tell them, you, know, you have to sign a release waiver. So if you're not into it, like you not, you, we won't use the footage or anything. But first group, first, this crowd starts walking by young, young kids, not young kids, but like teenagers. And they're all in these like kind of interesting costumes. One of the guys is wearing a nun's outfit. Like full on 18 year old dude in a nun's outfit. And I wasn't sure, you know, what was happening there, but figured Jesus wanted to love on him. So I just went up to him and said, hey man, like what's up with the costume? And he explained to me there's some kind of celebration. This doesn't make any sense, but some kind of New Year's celebration. Like, dude, it's July. You're missing it by about (laughs) seven months. But, um, you know, whatever, it's England. Just kidding. So... He tells me, yeah, I actually have back pain. My, my back's bothering me. I said, okay, well, dude, I, and I just got the sense. This wasn't a word of knowledge, but I just know from experience that lots of times when people have back pain, that's actually because one of their legs is shorter. And, and one of their hips has gotten like off placement and it's gotten disjointed. And one of their legs is kind of recessed up a little bit. So I said, dude, I bet one of your legs is shorter. Have you ever checked that out? And he said, no, I haven't. So I pull him over to a bench and sit him down and pull his legs up. And sure enough, one of his legs is shorter. One of his legs is like an inch shorter than the other. By the way, I really feel like God wants to minister that today. So if you have back pain, at the end of the service, come up and let us pray for you. And maybe when your legs is off and... God will just pop it right out and you'll be fine with a back pain. Or maybe it's not that, but I think God will still heal you. And yeah, God wants your back well. So I pull his legs up and one of his legs is like, maybe not an inch, but half an inch shorter. And he's like stunned by that. I mean, I think I'd be pretty stunned too, <laughs> walking around not knowing one of my legs was shorter than the other. And um, his friends are like, dude, yeah, your leg is short. Like, I can't believe that. And, he's, and I'm like, have you guys ever noticed this before? He's like, no, I've never seen that. So... Um, I just, I just look him, I hold his legs up. I look him right in the eyes and I just begin telling him how much God loves him. I just begin telling him that God is favoring his life and the father loves him and he has a special purpose for him and that he doesn't have to do anything for God to love him, but that God just loves him because of who he is. And what I'm doing there is I'm just declaring identity to him. I'm just telling him the truth about who he is. You know, it's not cliche to tell people that Jesus loves them. It's not cliche to tell people how much God loves them and how in love he is with them and how he favors them. 
and to tell them, hey, you're special to God. God loves you specially. And so as I began to declare that, I just said, okay, now, Left leg, I command you to grow out. Come on and just grow out right now in Jesus' name. And his left leg, just right before all of our eyes, just goes, zoop, and just comes right to his heel, to the same leg as his other. I said, hop up, check out your back. He walks up and down. He's like, dude, I have no back pain. Like, I don't know what you, and, I, and then I sat him back down. Yeah, praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Then I sit him back down and I show him what it feels like for me to pull. I said, just so you know, I wasn't pulling your leg, no pun intended. And I showed him, I pulled his leg. And he said, that's not at all what it felt like. Like, I know that was God. And so we're, all, we're out here on the streets for another like hour. Um, three people end up getting born again, giving their lives to Jesus right on the spot. Um, a young Muslim guy, he had back pain. And I just figured, probably the leg short. Sit him down, his legs are shorter. And his sister is right there. We pray for him. His leg grows right out all by the name of Jesus Christ, who he thinks isn't God, who he has a distorted picture of. He's been taught his whole life that Jesus isn't who he really is. And now he has to deal with Jesus healing his leg. (laughs) So I think that's pretty cool. Left him with some food for thought. Like, man, I thought Jesus was dead. Well, I guess not. Just healed my leg. But so... Like that, that whole time was just action packed out on the streets. Like I said, three people got saved. This girl's sinuses got just totally cleared. She had, she had hay fever and her sinuses were all blocked up. I prayed for like three times and her sinuses got totally healed. It was like, whoa, that, I've never seen that before. Just, she can't breathe out of her nose one minute. Next minute she can smell and breathe totally out of her nose. So that was awesome. But like I'm saying, like the Holy Spirit was just breaking out, just loving people. He was just being himself. That's just what he wants to do. He's just waiting for us to be available. And he was just saying, hey, look, when you go out there, I'll put my money where the mouth, I'll put the money where my mouth is and I'll I'll provide, I'll do signs, I'll do wonders. So, you know, like, like this is the two spectrums of the trip. I have this first encounter with Beatrice. She gets born again and saved. It's amazing. Then I have this last day in England where all these legs are going on the street. People are giving their lives to Christ. People are getting healed and touched by the presence of God. But I had this whole middle part that was a little different. So I had this amazing encounter with Beatrice, end with amazing encounters on the streets of London. But I had this whole middle part that wasn't really meeting my expectations. And I just felt I was getting rejected over and over and over every day in the streets. The words I was giving to people, they were saying, no, that means nothing to me. Get away, freak. And like, what are you talking about? I was praying for people to get healed. I prayed for dozens and dozens of people with crutches. None of them felt any improvement. Prayed for a couple people in wheelchairs. They didn't feel, you know, a drop of rain on them. No change at all. And I'm, I'm going on this trip expecting like, dude, crutches are going to bow. <laughs> people are going to hop out of wheelchairs and run laps. Like this is what I'm going, this is what I'm expecting. And so one afternoon I'm laying in my bed not to mention, I'm missing my wife a lot. I've never been apart from her for a week. I mean, we've been apart one night since we've been married. And so a whole week apart is like, I'm really missing something. Oh yeah, I'm not with my wife. I'm with every day. So that was, and by the way, one year ago today, we got engaged. So that was pretty cool. But I'm laying in my bed really kind of having a pity party for myself, whining to God, like, God, what's up? Why isn't more happening? And I felt like you just said to me, hey, Wilson, how much did you pay to go on this trip? How much, how much of your money did you use? And I don't know if you guys know this, but I didn't have to pay a single dollar because of your guys' generosity. 
the church provided the whole entire trip for me. So thank you guys so much for giving and being part of it. Thank you so much for praying for me and giving. Like a lot of you guys were praying, a lot of you guys gave financially and I appreciate that so much. Seriously, thank you. But God said to me, how much did you pay? And I was like, well, yeah, I, I didn't pay anything. And he's like, okay, well, since you've been here, how much have you paid? Like how much have you spent on meals or like in the airport, how much did you spend? And I was like, well, nothing. Like, you know, Robbie's has the hookup in the airport, so I didn't have to pay for any food. And, you know, everyone here in Switzerland has been paying for all my meals so far. He's like, how much did you pay for like where you're staying right now? Like this cool apartment. I was like, I see where you're going with this, God. <laughs> yeah, I didn't pay for this either. He's like, hey, I got you here. How about you just learn what I want you to learn from this trip? How about you just trust me that I'm going to teach you through this trip? That maybe the point of the trip wasn't for you to see breakthrough in the areas you were thinking, but maybe there's other things I wanted to teach you. And that really, get, man, getting a word from God like that is kind of a little bit like a spanking. <laughs> but it also feels really good because it gives you peace, man. Like just to hear God speak to you about a situation, it gives you peace. And we need to make a discipline of that. When we're running around with our head, running around like chickens with our heads cut off, we need to just slow down and say, God, please just speak to me right now about this situation. And it brings peace in life. Because, you know, Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. When God speaks to us, there is substance to his word. That's why it's important that we're reading our Bibles and we're letting the Holy Spirit speak to us through the Bible. That we're spending time in meditative, contemplative prayer and asking God questions. He loves to speak to us. He wants to encourage our hearts. And so when he spoke all this to me, it really encouraged me, kind of made me have a, like a focus for the trip. Like, okay, I'm just going to get out of this whatever God has for me to get out of it. I'm just going to trust him. That's really what it came down to is I wasn't trusting that God was going to get to me what he wanted to get to me through the trip. And as I like reflected on the whole trip, excuse me, as I reflected on the trip, I really realized that just spending the time with Robbie that I got to spend with him really impacted me a lot. You know, there wasn't like a team of people going. It was just Robbie and I. So that was like an incredible privilege to spend all this time with Robbie. Like we were together pretty much all day, every day. And we shared a hotel even in England. So like we were together always. <laughs> good, bad, and the ugly. I was with him all the time. And it was all good on his side, a little bad and ugly on my side. But um, So with this series we're doing, Life in the Wild, and, you know, the whole idea behind it is, why do some people make it? Why do two people who get saved around the same time, same circumstances, why do one of them endure and stick to the faith while another falls away? Well, what better case study than to spend time with Robbie, who's been doing this for 20 years. He's been in ministry for 20 years, going strong, faithfully serving the Lord. And that's really what, like, just to be around him and spend time, watch how he interacted with people. Watch how he talked to people. That spoke a lot to me. I think I learned more just from that than I could have from like, you know, all those crazy miracles I was anticipating. And he gave me lots of opportunities to grow. And there's, but there's really two things I want to highlight. Um, to, did I make the joke about my dad preaching really long? Okay, so just to reiterate that, I'm, I'm going to tell these two, two things I learned from Robbie and then we'll spend some time worshiping. But so there's really big two, two, two takeaways I got from just watching, the, watching Robbie Dawkins and, and learning from him. The first was to be naturally supernatural and to rest, to take time to rest, but to be naturally supernatural. 
this whole thing of natural supernatural is a big, big deal in the vineyard. Because what we want to do is create an environment where people feel safe to experience the presence of God. Where there's not like a hype that's creating God's presence, but where we're being normal, typical people, and then letting God's presence come in. And let, because you know, I'll be honest, the Holy Spirit can do some weird stuff. He can do things that kind of shake us and confuse us, but we can leave that to him. (laughs) We can be natural. We don't need to do the hype. Like basically the Holy Spirit can be weird enough on his own. He doesn't need any of your guys' help. (laughs) All right. And he has full license to do anything he wants because he's God. So, but I just really learned this from Robbie, like just to be natural. If you give a prophetic word, it's not, and I I already knew this, but it was good to, to be, um, reminded of it, that it's not, thus saith the Lord, the Lord would have you, and by the name of the Lord, da, 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 it's, hey man, this is what I feel like God's saying to me. I could be wrong, but this is, this is what I think God's saying. And, you know, Robbie threw me under the bus a couple of time with prophetic ministry, where like in the beginning of the conference, he'd be like, hey, my friend Wilson's gonna come up and give prophetic words now, so Wilson, come on up. They'd be like, hey, who in the room would like a prophetic word? Just raise your hand. <laughs> He's like, okay, prophesy to her right now, Wilson. So... So I got to, I got to get, kind of be baptized by fire and do that. And, I, you know, I got some words wrong. I got some words right. But every time I just said, hey, I'm just learning. I'm just, I'm just learning how to do this. I'm just learning how to hear God's voice. And if this doesn't make sense, just disregard it. But see, that, that's what's being naturally supernatural. It's inviting people for them to decide to encounter God, not for us to push an encounter upon them. And you know that people are actually dying for encounters with God. That's why, that's why we filmed Robbie doing the teaching and then filmed people getting healed on the streets because people need to see that. Because what we've done is we've let Hollywood and the media dictate the edge of what is the supernatural going to look like. People are so hungry for the supernatural. Why do you think all those va- like vampire movies and zombie movies are so popular? And, and TV shows about witches and about teleportation and stuff like that. Because people are hungry for the supernatural. And it's our responsibility as the church, because you know, everything Satan wants to put out there about the supernatural is just a copy of the real deal, which is the Holy Spirit. So we need to be going out there and making sure we're showing people the real deal and not a counterfeit supernatural. We want to provide and testify to the real supernatural by loving people and praying for the sick and seeing them healed. And so um, that, that just comes back to being naturally supernatural. We don't need to hype it. The Holy Spirit is hype. He of himself is exciting. He can do that for himself. Other than this whole idea about resting, you know, I'm pretty eager to pray for people. In the airport, I was like grabbing everyone right and left, trying to pray for people. And Rob was like, dude, just relax a little bit. Like, you need to rest some. And, he's, and then he really brought this whole, st- he later on talked to me about the story of Jesus with the woman at the well. Do you guys all know the story of Jesus with the Samaritan woman? The, the kind of sweet, short and sweet version of it is Jesus is really tired from walking through the desert and sits down at a well and his disciples go into town to collect food. And here's my question. Why do you think Jesus sat down? Because he was tired. <laughs> he wanted to take a break. He wanted to rest. And then a woman comes out and she begins to dr- draw water and he says, hey, will you please give me a drink? Why do you think he asked her for a drink? Because he was thirsty. Like, dude, when we, and then this amazing encounter comes through that. Jesus gives her prophetic word, reads her mail, um, sends her back to her village, and a revival breaks out in her village. 
this all came from Jesus resting, <laughs> recognizing his body was saying, chill out, take a break, rest. And then an encounter came to him. See, we don't need to work for encounters. They can come to us when we just rest, when we're naturally supernatural. So really, I mean, that's stuff that I'm still chewing on. And by no means am I like, feel like I have that totally established in my life. But I'd encourage you guys, really ponder that. What does it mean to be naturally supernatural? What does it mean to rest and let God bring encounters to me? Cool. Now, the second thing, I told you there's two things I felt like I really learned from Robbie on the trip. The second thing was that favor comes from what Jesus has done. Favor on our life doesn't come from what we do. It comes from what Jesus has done for us. About, back in March, I was, a conference, I was at a conference that Robbie was at. And if you guys don't know, Robbie loves throwing people on a bus and pointing people out in public and just like doing things to them. And so at the beginning of the conference, there's like five or 600 people here. He says, hey, my friend Wilson's here. Wilson, will you stand up? And he goes, hey, everyone, I just want everyone to know this, that Wilson is like a professional power evangelist. He's been doing this since he came out of the womb, basically. He's been doing it longer than me. And if you have any questions about power evangelism, don't ask me, don't ask Todd White, don't ask Bob Hazlett. You need to ask that guy. You need to ask Wilson. And obviously, like, that's not true. <laughs> you know, Robbie, Todd White, and Bob Hazlett are all much more, those, are, those guys are kind of like um, itinerant evangelists that speak and preach. They're all much more qualified. Let me assure you, infinitely more qualified than me to do that. But Robbie was just blessing me. And he was kind of trying to like get, get the attention, not just off, off people up front, but let people realize like, hey, normal people can be doing this. But nonetheless, this really gave me a confidence boost <laughs> when he did that. I felt like, man, I'm kind of, you know, that's me, baby. Like, <laughs> Robbie called me out, you know. <laughs> There's a little like pep in my step. I'm like, yeah, no, hey, it's me. It's Wilson. Who has a question? Who wants to ask me something? And, you know, I just felt God speak to me. He said, hey, Wilson, that, that affirmation you're getting and that favor, that, that favor isn't coming from Robbie. That favor comes from me. So direct the affirmation and that good feeling you have right now, direct that towards me. Because favor doesn't come from human beings. Favor comes from my son. Favor comes from your relationship with my son. You know, Robbie travels a ton. So he, uh, and he, in fact, he led one of the guys in, his air, in the airport he always flies out of in Champagne to the Lord. He's praying for this guy and he falls out in the middle of the airport while he's working and gets born again just radically. And um, so when Robbie's on the way to the airport, he just texts his friend and says, hey, could you get like my boarding passes ready and my like luggage tags? And so when Robbie gets to the airport, his boarding pass is there. He doesn't have to wait for it. You know, his luggage tag is there. And since I was traveling with Robbie, guess what? When I got there, my boarding pass was ready. My luggage tag was right there. Robbie, he has priority check on all of his bags. So when um, they're pulling bags off the airplane, his bags are the first one they pull off and his are the first to come through the luggage carousel. Guess what? They pulled my bags off first too because I was with Robbie. My bags are the first to come out. Robbie is pre-checked. So he doesn't have to go through, take all your liquids out and take your laptop out, take your shoes off, all that stuff that all of us hate about going to the airport. And he just gets to go right through. He's, he's pre-checked. Guess who else is pre-checked? Because I'm with Robbie. I get to be pre-checked. So I get to go right through. Robbie has a membership to the Admirals Club, which is the American Airlines like lounge in their airports that has free Wi-Fi, free gourmet food, free drinks, you know, like air conditioned, the whole deal. Guess who gets to go in there with Robbie? 
I get to go in the Rabi. I don't need to hunt down a Chick-fil-A in the food court and run around all crazy in the airport. I can just go into Admiral's Club of the Rabi. And why am I getting all these privileges? Because of who I'm with. It's because of who I'm with. It's not because of things I have done. It's because of what Rabi has done. And it's the same way. We, our favor is because of what Jesus has done, not because of the things we do. Our favor doesn't come through our right and wrong and our good decisions and how nice we were. Our favor comes from Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. Think about how much it would, how hard it would be if all our favor is dependent on us. We wouldn't have much favor on our lives because <laughs> we mess up. Graham Cook puts it awesome. Graham says, I'd really encourage you, look up Graham Cook. He's an awesome, really prophetically gifted guy, author, speaker. But um, here's some of his comments on favor. He says, We are not given favor because of who we are. We are given favor because of who Jesus is. God put Jesus in us so that he could always have the same amount of favor on us, whether we were doing good or doing bad. God put Jesus in us so that we could, so that he could always have the same amount of favor on us, whether we are doing good or whether we are doing bad. Now, to make this a legal message, a legal sermon, I need to read something from the Bible. So if you, uh, Sanjay, could pull up Ephesians 1. We're going to get a little ministry from the Word real quick, and then I'm going to wrap up. And uh, yeah, so just heads up to the worship band. I'm going to be wrapping up soon. But Okay, so in Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Time out. Every spiritual blessing has been given to us. You know, another word for like favor could be blessing. (laughs) All favor is on us because of Jesus. Now let's look at why. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. Now, there's a couple of phrases I want to highlight in this passage. They really are the linchpin for why there's favor on our life. And the reason that it's so, under, so important to understand that favor is on our life is because that's a core part of our identity. If we're not walking around understanding that God's grace is on our life and that he is for us and that we are favored above, above others, then we're going to totally miss our identity as sons. Because we're, we're sons and daughters of God. He has favor on our life. So these phrases are really key. United with Christ. In Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Belong to his dear son. Purchase our freedom with the blood of his son. How do we get access to the Father? How do we have favor? It's through Jesus. It's through relationship with Jesus. And that is the gospel, my friends, is that Jesus did the work so that we could enjoy it. (laughs) He died for us so that we could live a natural, supernatural life where we rested and we knew that God's favor was on us. So I'm going to pray and I welcome the worship band to come out. 
But I just want to pray for you guys. And like, like I said, before I left, I really believed that the things that God did in my life during the trip, he was going to release into everyone else's life in this church. And um, so yeah, I just want to pray for you guys. So you guys just put your hands out to receive if you want. And I'm just going to pray for a second and then we'll worship. Hmm. So Father, I just thank you so much for the awesome privilege it was for me to go on this trip. Thank you so much for just, just giving me that opportunity. And I just bless everyone in this room. Thank you for everyone who prayed for me and supported me. Just thank you for everyone in this room right now. And I just release a revelation of the favor you have on our lives. I just release a revelation to everyone in this room right now of how favored we are in your eyes, how much you love us how much we are special to you. Come Holy Spirit, I just release a fresh feeling of love in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.